0: to Scottish Business Network podcast series. I'm Christine Essen. I'm co-founder and chief executive of Scottish Business Network. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Jackie Gale, MBE, to today's podcast. Estee Lauder, Revlon, Pretty Polly, Lulu Guinness, key names in the beauty and fashion industry, Adding to that mix, Crabtree and Evelyn, Aaron Aromatics, Wax Lyrical, Port Marion. I think it's fair to say that Jackie Gale does not shy away from challenges on working in a fast-paced, globally-driven business. As if that wasn't enough, throw in a bit of mentorship, her recently completed MBA with distinction, and her richly deserved MBE. And we have a lot to talk about. Jackie's insight and expertise could be a podcast series on its
1: own. Welcome, Jackie. Well, Christine, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Makes me feel a little old. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Just packed a
0: lot in, Jackie. Let's look at it that way. Uh, Jackie, as I often ask people
1: in order to picture where you are today, what what's the view from your window? I'm actually in my home office today, and the view outside, even though it's a little more cloudy than it has been, is still beautiful. I think we've enjoyed a lovely summer this year, uh, and we're continuing to do so, even though we've seen rain recently.
0: Absolutely. Although I did get a wee hint of autumnal no colours coming into Scotland, but hopefully not for a wee while yet, Jackie. Um, We go right back to the start here as always with our first question and you had some big changes at early stages in your family life with your parents moving from Edinburgh to, to Canada. Can you tell us a bit about growing up and what family life was like?
1: I think uh, I don't remember, obviously, very much about being two when I moved. Um, I do remember some of the stories that my dad tells me uh, I, and my mother. Um, but one of the the things that happened when I was very young is obviously uh, my parents decided that the grass was a wee bit greener on the other side and decided to move to Canada. Um, my mum was a secretary and specialised in shorthand uh, and she always prided herself in being one of the fastest typists at that time. And my dad was a telecommunications officer. Um, a little bit of a funny story prior to us moving to Canada. in the, uh, And I suppose when I think back on some of the stories I'm told, this does have an effect. Um, my dad uh, worked at Edinburgh Airport. And on the night I was born, uh, he couldn't get anyone to relieve him from his duties. So they closed Edinburgh Airport. Um, So it was something that I've always, I have the newspaper uh, of the day that I was born. Uh, So I kind of, you know, figured out where there was a will, there's a way. And closing Edinburgh Airport was obviously one of the, um, you know, highlights of my start in life. (laughs) jackie I'm trying to stop a fit of the giggles here that is
0: the really you've taken the best introduction there that is fantastic we're all now going to frantically google for that newspaper item. <laughs> What a welcome into the world, Jackie. That is fabulous. And and so my next question, I'm smiling as I ask it, um, the traits that you inherited from, from your parents and, and do you see them influencing your subsequent career ambitions?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, never being afraid of trying something new uh, even if it didn't work, because uh, my parents didn't move back to Edinburgh. And when we first moved back, we moved back to um, live with my granddad, uh, who lived in Nidrie Mills. And, you know, it was a very different time at that point. Uh, and until we would got settled, we moved from Nidrie to Wester Hills. Um, And my mum and dad decided that they would buy mobile shops. And I think that's where my my love of retailing started. I can't can't figure out whether it was love or hate at the time because you used to have to go from school to work on the van. Um, uh, And, you know, getting up early in the morning to get the newspapers or um, your juice was delivered at a certain time for the van every day. Uh, It was very, they were very hard working. Uh, So I suppose coming back to... Um, You know, the traits that were inherent from my parents, uh, very much never be afraid of doing something new. Try something different if something else doesn't work uh, and work hard uh, and you get to where you need to be. My father, unfortunately, uh, took ill uh, and they had to sell the business, uh, which is when he started his career in Western Hills in developing um, skill sets for people who maybe had... uh, a different start in life you know drugs drink etc cetera, etc cetera. um and he was also awarded an MBE uh so we're we're trying to keep it in the family <laughs> that that's wonderful no pressure on the next
0: generation there <laughs> at all Jackie but wonderful i wonder if there's many people who have that Two MBs and in, in the family, that's a that's a great tradition, and uh, I sincerely hope it does continue. Taking the traits, so your children will see from from you uh, yourself and and your husband. I'm I'm sure. Um, I've heard often about why people attended certain further educations or took certain further qualifications, and I love the fact that you went and you attended Napier College now Napier University due to a desire to form your own cosmetics company. Where did that love of cosmetics and that, oh, I think I know where the entrepreneurial ambition <laughs> came from, but, but the love of cosmetics and your own business, Jackie?
1: I think I was, I was always interested, I think, growing up uh, in the glamour industry, um my teenage years, you know, they even named a, named a magazine after me. There was a Jackie. Um, and so there it wasn't after me, by the way. Uh just in case because some people won't remember that far back. Uh, but I think I had always had an interest in cosmetics and fashion. Uh so I decided cosmetics was the route I was gonna take, figure out how you were gonna make them, figure out how you were gonna sell them, and then start your own cosmetic company. Uh the challenge came about when I joined Estee Lauder uh, because I figured out that you actually needed quite a lot of money to do what I wanted to do. Uh, Working with the Lauder group is like working with family. Uh, That's how I felt because I thought it was only going to take me a year. I was a little arrogant when I was younger. I thought I knew everything very quickly uh, and you know, went to figure out how to make it, figure out how to sell it, take a couple of years, you'll be fine. I actually stayed with Estee Lauder for nearly 10 years, Uh, and through that period, uh, it was lots of opportunity uh, and lots of things that happened throughout my career. I think one of the things that uh, I, I really love is innovating, and Estee Lauder was very much innovator of the time. Uh, When I joined, and it was many years ago, um, there were really only four Estee Lauder companies uh, and Estee Lauder Clinique RMS prescriptives. Uh, They were about to launch Origins. um, And I think what Lauder taught me is to see the opportunity. So I was responsible for the prescriptives brand. uh, And you might think it's something that's not unusual in today's environment, but you never used to be able to get foundation that would match your skin tone. Prescriptus was all about matching skin tone. Now, this was 30 odd years ago. Uh, You look now and it's the norm. Uh, I was the first to introduce male um, makeup artists uh, into store. And I remember uh, negotiating with Harrods in putting a male makeup artist responsible for this new phenomenon that would match your skin tone uh, to a foundation, and it was just like, you're absolutely raving bonkers, there's no way we're going to allow that, do you know who we are? Um, anyway, we both negotiated, managed to get to the point where that happened, and it's it's now, if you look around the world, it, it, not, including places that you would not normally see male makeup artists, it's very normal. Um, so I suppose what Estee Lauder taught me is, see the opportunity, figure out how you're going to make it happen, and then just do it. Uh, and uh, that I've carried all the way through my career. And and one of the things in, in reading
0: about you, Jackie, and your background is also that Estée Lauder said to you, was to use your phrase, look at things differently. And that taking that approach and a great grounding from Estée Lauder... How has that looking at things differently shaped your career and, and your
1: subsequent leadership roles? I think if I was to take a modern day look and apply that principle, if you like, uh, it, physical retail uh, is a great example. Physical retail, you know, when I first started my career, there was no internet. Well, there was an internet, but it had only just started. There was no mobile phones. There was... You know, you had to plug into the wall, into your telephone line to get a computer connection. Uh, We couldn't do what we're doing today in having a conversation. So physical retail was really, really important. But what happens, in my opinion, when you move forward in any kind of business is you can become quite complacent. And I think in physical retail had become quite complacent. There will always be shops on the high street. There will always be somewhere that people want to go. And actually, I think what the world has taught us, if we don't look at things differently, you become a dinosaur and you die. Um, I'm doing an interesting uh, review on physical retail right now uh, for an organization that wants to really go back and put physical retail Uh, Where it used to be as an iconic place for people to go social and be, you know, visit and see, touch, feel um, product. We're emotional beings, and we want that physical contact. I think COVID taught us a lot about physical and interaction and difficulties that uh, have occurred. So for me, if you don't see that opportunity and you don't look at things differently and keep doing things the way that you've always done. Even if you've got a very successful business, keep doing the things that make you great, but start to look at things that will make you better.
0: And and picking up on that point, Jackie, when you're looking at at new business opportunities, and I've spoken about the number of fantastic and and well-known household names that you've worked with, when you've looked at these new opportunities, is it the opportunity to innovate within the new business that leads you to accept a role? Or does that come now naturally to you when you join an organisation and review its
1: business strategy? I think they're a bit of both, I would say. Um, I think as I've got older, uh, I start to l- listen to the younger teams much, much more. Um, uh, you know, even to the point where, uh, I would love to be able to introduce a shadow board, um, uh, you know, where young people come in and we can get, we, I say me, uh, because I'm of a certain age, uh, can get very set in your ways. And my daughter reminded me recently, just because it's the way that I think is right doesn't necessarily mean it's right for her. Um, And I thought, I can't say anything about that because I've actually taught her how to do that. (laughs) But it does take that little reminder in when you're looking at something, particularly when I'm looking at a new role uh, or I want to do something different, then it's important for me to understand that there is still opportunity there. I've just joined a a board recently uh, where I'm a non-exec. And one of the things there, it's my first non-exec role um, and the thing that I'm struggling with is not the con- not having the control. It's given options to other people uh, to be able to say whether, actually, I don't really agree with you or I do agree with you, but I'm doing it my way. That's hard. <laughs> very hard, very hard. And,
0: and it's such an important role, though, for a non-exec to understand that, just yeah. to know that they're bringing that expertise but it's not the practical
1: implication. There is a sense of frustration, I'm sure, there. Yeah, but I think, you know, coming back to your original question, bringing people along with you, um, communicating, uh, at no matter what level. I've always been taught that I don't care who you are. You treat people the way that you want to be treated. Um, uh, and I've always adopted that. In everything that I do, look for the opportunity, balance it, make sure you've done your homework uh, because, you know, risk is always attached to something new uh, and then decide if you're going to go for it or not.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you're talking about your parents and what they taught you. One of my father's greatest uh, statements, of which there was many, was, we're all Jock Tamsin's bairns. <laughs> and I always think, you know, that great Scottish philosophy, we're all the same. You know, Absolutely. it's something that every leader has to remember. It's, it's well imprinted in, in my brain. And just talking about that innovation, we're, we're talking about, business leaders seeking to operate in a global market. What advice would you give them, Jackie, to ensure you've talked about the the importance of innovation and listening to to others, but we're operating in such challenging environments. Everybody is now. What advice would you give to business leaders to ensure they retain that focus on innovation in a business?
1: I think... Um, there's probably a couple of answers in that question. Uh, I think if I start with global business, because I think one of the key things to remember is that cultures are different. So I spent quite a, a fair bit of time in Saudi Arabia uh, when we launched Crabtree in Evelyn. And, for example, we had to re—we had to put um, a label on one of the boxes because they had cherubs on the box, and cherubs wasn't allowed in Saudi Arabia. It taught me a big lesson because that cost us quite a lot of money in having to repackage, redo something, because we didn't understand that something wasn't right for that market. They wanted the product, they just didn't want how it looked. Um, now, I think culture is... Think global. But think local. Uh, so yes, you can have a global brand, but think about how and what impact that will have uh, within the environment that you're going into. Um, don't disrespect the country. Uh, I spent quite a lot of time in Germany, uh, and I love the, the way uh, German businesses run because there's rules. You follow the rules and you keep to the rules. You don't break the rules. Now, for an entrepreneur, that's quite hard uh, because you know you push the boundaries a little, uh, and sometimes you don't break the rules that you know are going to end up in jail or anything like that. But it is really important that you you continue to push that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that the German culture is very process driven. Very much, you know, there is some uh, a way of getting there, but this is the way to do it. Ask them to go round about that or over a hill or do something different wee bit more challenging but respect that understand that and then deliver the message in a slightly different way to what you would at home
0: yeah and it's that think global but act local yeah. is such an important message you know and something within Scottish Business Network we're always pushing because in a survey we did a number of years ago when we asked the Scots around the world what's your view of Scotland as an entrepreneurial and an export nation and the key thing that came back, Jackie, was sadly our lack of cultural awareness and understanding in moving into new countries. And it's such an important point there that, that you've raised.
1: It is it's, it's an, it is a really important point. But one of the things I find incredible as I travel the globe is everyone knows Scotland. I, I think it's easier to export than it is to have Scottish produce d- sold in the uk um people really have an understanding of Scot- scotland um even with our aromatics, uh you know it was where where are you from uh you know we're from Aran. it's a little island of scotland oh we know scotland uh you know and so no matter where i went in the globe people know who you where you come from which is quite incredible
0: it is, and also, you know, such a positive knowledge of Scotland. They will have their views of Scotland, and that's fine if it's the tartan and the heather and the shortbread bread. Brilliant! At least we have a brand to to build on and a positive message to sell to the rest of the world. Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to, to pick up was spoken there about innovation and I was going to pick up on the point of resilience because looking through you, your career in my usual stalking way that I have, Jackie, <laughs> all, all very safe and comfortable. But the three things that came through is about innovation, which was spoken about resilience and, and mentorship. You've faced many business challenges, not least in the past couple of years, as, as so many businesses have. <laughs> Could, would you share some further insights into your career where you've really had to dig deep to support business change and how each of these situations has helped ultimately benefit you and and the business because that resilience has had to be shown uh, in all your business operations?
1: I think um my my career in some cases through my throughout my career. I felt almost like one of those little punching bags that you punch and you bounce back. Um, And I've always, and I'm going to touch wood at this point, always bounced back. uh, Because sometimes it's more difficult than others. And I certainly know, um, if I can go just down a little rabbit hole here, Christine, um, I was diagnosed, through COVID, I was also diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I think resilience throughout my career and my career itself almost balanced each other to get me through that whole process. Now, I went through three rounds of chemotherapy. I had a stem cell transplant and I worked the whole time apart from when I was in hospital. Now, everyone says, you're absolutely crazy. How could you have managed that? And we had COVID and you were doing an MBA. You got an MBE, you, all of these things. And I think it almost taught me to even push myself harder. Um, uh, I remember sitting in front of the consultant, and the consultant says to me, um, it, I, I asked lots of questions about the disease, you know, what do I do? And this is, I've read this thesis and I've read this one and I've done that. And she says, Jackie, after 40 years of experience, are you telling me that an hour on Google is going to teach you everything you need to know about Hodgkin's lymphoma? And I suppose my business career has always taught me to go find out what you can about the issue, figure out how you're going to get to uh, a result or a process that's going to get you to a positive result and then go on that process. What she taught me is sometimes you need help around you uh, and networking uh, all the way through both my own personal challenge and my personal career has been phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, to the point where uh, my networking through when we were in COVID, if I gave you that example of Wax COVID, um, we could have quite easily shut everything down, moved away, made sure everyone stayed at home, made sure everyone's safe. I took a different choice at that point, because I had a call from the NHS asking if we would make them some hand sanitizer. Now, we're a company that produce millions of candles and diffusers every year. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, okay, alcohol goes into a diffuser. So I suppose if I could figure out the formulation of the hand sanitizer, which was the who formulation that everyone was going on about at the time, and I can make that in a way that it could support the necessity that we have within the NHS, then let's just try it. So I called a specialist um, who uh, was a consultant, got him in, we both had a look. Obviously, I have a um, a background in chemistry, and I had a chemist on site. We have a an on site uh, laboratory and everything. The three of us sat in the lab. Now, this was on the eighteenth of March, twenty twenty. Um, my boss had told me to tell everyone to go home, uh, so I kind of ignored him a little. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. In a minute. Um, and I think in twenty four hours, we'd managed to gain the who formulation. In three days, we managed to say, How do we convert that into the, the factory into making hand sanitizer? Um, and by the 20th, so you know, within the first 10 days, we'd actually started producing uh, for the NHS and we ended up give, making 3 million units in three months. Um, now, that was an accumulation of a massive process in connecting with everyone in my network because everyone will remember at that time you couldn't get any alcohol, apart from the stuff that you could drink. Uh, you couldn't get anything that uh, it could be put in, so bottles, etc., etc. Uh, and I think I contacted everyone that I knew to say, how can you help us here? Because it's not for us, it's for the NHS. In the meantime, my boss is still thinking that I've sent everyone home, uh, whilst everyone was working in the factory, everyone was keeping going. And we just, when I told him a week later, he said, how is everyone? You know, they've all gone home. We've, have we managed to set them up? And I said, I haven't actually sent anyone home. They're all, they're all still working. And Mike, I saw an opportunity. You're just going to, and we're a PLC. So, you know, it was a case of, I made sure everyone was safe. Uh, we've got all the measures that we know of in place because it was a lot that we didn't know. And, you know, we were, we worked as a team, we had major focus, we had very clear intention, and we knew we had to deliver something for um, the NHS. So we we managed to work around continual change. Um, It led to further investment. So we've just finished a £2 million build and extension onto the factory, And that will now produce any kind of hand wash, hand lotions, bath and body, etc, etc. So I'm I'm really proud of my team. Um, But I suppose when it comes back to what you were saying about earlier in resilience, um, it really has taught me that nothing... I suppose I could have gone down a different route, you know, when they first told me that the first chemo didn't work, and I'm still doing all of this in the background, and no one knew I was ill at that point. i would have a couple of days where I was, I think my consultant did it on purpose for me, I'd have my chemo on a Thursday, so I'd feel crap over the weekend, then I'd be fine, not fine, but I'd be better by Monday. Um, so no one really knew that I was ill. That resilience, coupled with determination, uh, to deliver, pulling the team together and having intense focus on what we wanted to deliver on uh, was, I suppose, what you call resilience.
0: <laughs> I, I, th- I think Jackie, you you have defined resilience and how to go to to move through that. And, and first of all, thank you for for sharing your your very personal journey there. I am quite sure many people listening will understand no one knows the journey that you've gone through that's your personal experience but has had some experience of that and others have watched family friends go through that the fact that first of all you've shared that thank you for that but also how you have used that to advantage because I have seen you when I first saw you Jackie and you made such a powerful impact in me was telling that story at the Business Beats Cancer event in in Edinburgh. And um, for many reasons, I've uh, heard a number of speeches from from people like yourself going in this, journey and I think your speech in fact I can say to you it's probably the most powerful one that you did uh, that I have ever heard and and thank you for that for, for what you spoke about and with your friend who was also going through her own cancer treatment at the time when all the rest was going on in the world and we were upset at living just being at home your story and your story of how you've, I believe, have come through that, Jackie, is, is an incredibly powerful one. So thank you for, for sharing that and sharing it, it today. The the network that you spoke about there is something that within Scottish Business Network we always push around. And and one of our advisors, Kingsley Aiken, talks about networking should be taught at schools what's your thought about that because it's such a key business skill and and you've mentioned the power of it there
1: I totally agree with that Um, and I think I have probably an example of two different kinds with my children so both are studying international business both I have installed in them that it's really important that they connect with people so my daughter has literally on Monday moved to London Uh, she's created her own LinkedIn profile, she's now started to link with people, she's, you know, listening to things like this, Uh, she's really seeing and being inspired by different types of communication and people and all the rest of it. Um, So, you know, she's well on her journey uh, to doing that. My son, on the other hand, is quite interesting, because he's like, well, you know, he's in his first year at university, uh, going into his second year, and it's like, I have lots of people that i talk to i don't need to go on linkedin but he is very much in the sporting community Uh, so it's a different type of although i understand linkedin i also understand his different type of networking and it's a very strong and powerful network um you know he's gone through the scottish pathways and all the rest of it for rugby um and i think he will develop that but it's still early in his stages but both know the power of being able to communicate and link with other people um, in how they can move forward in their own journey.
0: And, and linking into that, for particularly for, for your own family at the start of their journey, you spoke earlier there about mentorship and, and you were quite rightly awarded a mentorship award in, in 2018, I think it was through the Business Insider. How important has that mentorship along with the networking been in
1: developing your business career? I think um, having uh, having an accolade for something that you love to do. I love to give anyone any knowledge that I have. If it avoids you falling down a hole, uh, then, you know, you can have everything that you can from me that you want. Um, I think... Me being a mentor allows me, and I'm very, very conscious when I'm talking to anyone that I do mentor, it's my opinion. You may have a different opinion. I'm just giving you my experience of where I've been. And you can choose that path or you can choose to take it and grow it. Uh, I think that's really key for me. But teaching and developing and really allowing other people to understand the benefit of their own potential is something that I love to do in mentoring. Uh, so if if I can in any way uh, help someone I did ask uh, because I knew this was one of the questions that you may ask and I asked someone that I do mentor what they see in a mentor not necessarily me but in someone that they want to have and they said it's take the time take the time to really listen but really listen not just hear really listen Uh, balance the opinions communicate with people Be approachable, give options and direction, uh, but allow me or the person that I'm teaching to make their own individual uh, way forward. Um, I think one of the things that I have learned, because I've been doing mentoring for a wee while, is learn when to then take a step back. Because it may be that you're not the mentor that they need for the next stage in their development. Um, And I found that in my own personal development. Uh, as I've looked at mentors through my career, uh, it's got to a stage where it's not that you can't teach me anymore, because I think you can always learn from anything that happens, that you may not be the right individual for the next stage of my journey. Um, and I think in mentoring, as long as I hopefully can recognize that, and I, I resonate this thing with my daughter in the back of my head saying, yeah, I know you taught me that, but I want to do it differently. Um I'm thinking. Uh, okay, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean,
0: I've I've picked very lightly in the topics of, of innovation, mentorship, resilience. I think I'd add to that from from listening to today, Jackie, around the self awareness. There's such a, a theme coming through when when you share your stories about. Oh, I knew I could have done better. I knew is talking to my daughter that this is the way it should be done. That I need to be more self-aware. There's a, there's a real self-awareness coming through there, Jackie. It, it's fantastic. I, I would add that into your your skill set there around mentorships is is knowing where where your skills and experience, but also what you need to learn yourself. There. Oh, I think I should talk to you every day, Christine. You're making me feel really good. <laughs> Jackie, the pleasure would be mine. We could do a whole podcast series here you have no idea how I'm biting my tongue so often. The, stick to the script, Christine, stick to the script. Um, Jackie, the ravages of, of time are, are marching on here. And uh, uh, tragically, we've, we've come to, to the end of our, our time slot today. A couple of quick last questions. The Jackie Gale um, just leaving school as we've just got our results here in Scotland over the summer and you're about to embark on your uh, first journey to Napier College what advice would would you be giving that young Jackie about to take her first steps into the business environment
1: Always be inquisitive never stop that but do your homework I wouldn't necessarily have done that as a young Jackie Gale Uh Be brave. Uh, I think I was probably more arrogant than brave when I was younger. So balance that with being brave. Uh, Keep your entrepreneurial spirit, because where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, Build your relationship so that network is key and communicate and bring people with you.
0: Wonderful, Jackie. And and that so resonates with another podcast that we've just released recently with um, the wonderful Alexandra Lawson. And uh, she's just starting her career with Shell now down in London. And her piece of advice was be curious. And it's wonderful that as you've gone through such a stellar career, and yet, Alexander, Alex is still saying that at the start of her career as well. So it's, it's a great mantra, whatever stage you're at in, in business. A um, couple of quick fire questions before we finish today. Your Desert Island beauty product, Jackie, what would you take
1: with you? A mascara, for sure. <laughs> Your eyes are the window to the world. Wonderful. First record you ever bought? Oh, gosh, I had to think about this, but I think it was Off the Wall by Michael Jackson a very, very long time ago. beats <laughs> mine. Mine was Puppy Love, Donny Osmond. No comment.
0: <laughs> um, your favourite place in the world, Jackie? Florence in Italy, full of sunflowers, and, my happy flowers. And have you rubbed the nose to make I sure have.
1: that you go back? Wonderful. Your perfect weekend, Jackie, what does that look like? For me, I think because I'm so busy all the time, is curling up on the sofa watching either a great film or binging uh, on Netflix. Wonderful.
0: Jackie, it has been an absolute joy to speak to you today and also in our follow-up conversations. Uh, you've been a wonderful example to me of someone who has got so much going on with your your own business and with your family and so many demands of your times. And you've been so generous with, with me and always taking the time both to prepare for today and to bear with us as the technology wasn't going smoothly earlier. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for sharing your story and I uh, wish you good health and happiness over the coming years.
1: Thanks, Christine. It's been great. I've enjoyed it very much.
0: To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scott.